Ladies and gentlemen, grubbalars and demba bars, it's time for Worldie. Well, it's been far too long, gentlemen. We've been out of out of the pod. It's not a lit- literal pod, but we've been outside of the pod for some time, and and the World Cup has ended in that time. It feels like a hundred years ago. It now, does, doesn't it, it? Given how intensely we were doing this during the World Cup, and then the World Cup ended, and I had to bugger off for work, and and now it's just it's just over. And like it feels, it feels as long ago as like the twenty twelve Olympics. Now, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's something that happened Two a weeks few ago. weeks ago. Yeah, I know, bad. So let's let's talk before we get into just general things about the World Cup. Why don't we just talk about the final? Because um, I watched the final in a pub in downtown Ottawa with a bunch of like Quebecois, French, Canadian. Okay. France supporters, yep. which was quite a strange situation to be in, uh, but they were up for it. They seemed to be having a good time. They were trying to use sort of, sort of like European football vernacular, okay. which I thought was quite, quite sweet in a way. Um, and and I was listening in. I wasn't going to correct them, so I let them carry on with their sure. with their business. Uh, but they were having a nice old time. But you could tell, you know, you can tell the difference between fans that are just like out to have a bit of fun and that really care. Yes. They obviously didn't really care. No, right. No. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a jolly good time. And when we started the final, I'd actually sort of set my stall out to support Croatia, given they're the underdog and that's typically the way that, you know, Brits do things. So we, we were, we were going to support Croatia. But shortly after like the first few minutes i kind of changed my tune a little bit and started to come back towards france i wasn't quite i didn't really think that croatia came out in that game in quite the way that we that we maybe hoped they were going to no and there was a bit of that throughout the tournament wasn't there from, mm. from croatia and, I, and 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 i think there was a bit of that with the, you know in the final actually it's funny because I was, I was having a listen to our <clears throat> the last couple of pods on the way over just to kind of kind of refresh my memory and and one of the things that we were talking about with england is that, is that england had kind of come to the, the end of their ability when we got to the semi final we were a game yeah. too far effectively and i think that was similar for croatia in the final i think they were just a game too far it we're not tired like, don't do, we're not tired. Don't say we're tired. Yeah, they were quite touchy about that, weren't they? <laughs> Very strange. But, 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 yeah, but, really but they were fucking knackered in that final. <laughs> <laughs> they, they absolutely yeah. were. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think the I can't. John, I can't even remember where I watched that that game. I think I just watched it at home. Oh yeah, I'm really not sure. Yeah. But but yeah, nevertheless. I mean, I was. It was four two, if I remember rightly. I mean, it's a lot of goals for a final, isn't it? Yes, it was, and it was a very good final. To it be was. Fair. It was. It was. It was very interesting because quite often they end up being quite cagey affairs, don't they? But it wasn't that. Yeah. Um, I had a cheer. Uh, at the final whistle because Harry Kane won the golden boot. Yes. A little and did you? It was so sad. They did the final ceremony. It's like player of the tournament, whatever. And they hand out all these awards. And then because he's not there anymore, the announcer just goes, "And the winner of the golden boot, Mr. Harry Kane." It's like, it's like, oh come on! And that, I understand why they don't do it, but they they should make them hang around. Yeah, <laughs> like, the whole team's gone home. It's just Harry on his own. Because like Thibaut Courtois won the the golden glove or yes. whatever they call it as well, yeah, didn't they? Yeah. So obviously they couldn't. He couldn't come along to that either. But it's like they wouldn't have been, only have had to stay an extra day. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, so another, another admission here is that uh, I can remember where I was for the final, and I can also remember where I was for the third place playoff, which I did not watch. You I didn't did watch, watch a single it. minute of it. So, fill me in. You, you, you didn't miss a lot. No, it wasn't things. So. It wasn't a great game. I, jo- I can't. I can't remember much of it, and I, and no. I just sat and watched it at home. Uh, okay. I mean, it, you know, and it wasn't. Mass- I hate that game. It's it. pointless. Yeah, I mean, but the, but it, without it, the World Cup would be sixty-three games. So it's nice that it ties it up to the tidy. 64. <laughs> I think that's all that's keeping yeah. that game in there, though. To be honest, and very little I, point. I, I I read a piece um, discussing what other countries think of the third game, mm-hmm. of the third play, uh, place playoff game, and 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 interestingly, they they a lot of countries and a lot of mainland European countries rate it a lot higher than we do so whereas we're fairly dismissive of that game they but they want to win it you know other other countries do want to win that game really? and, and and i don't think we didn't want to win it i just no, think no, the no, intensity's gone it's impossible isn't yeah. it? it's very hard and yeah. at that point like 
England not as good player for player as Belgium, and that in that kind of game, that's going to play out because we need you need to be above your level yeah. to beat a team that's better than you. And it's hard to do that in non-competitive match. Co- going back a little bit to two thousand and six, where Germany won the third place playoff, and this is when they hosted it, mm. and it was a massive deal for them. And there was uh, you can actually draw parallels between the the way England played in this tournament above expectations and the way Germany did at that. World Cup as well yeah. in 2006. No one really, even though they were hosting it, no one really had much hope uh, of them going too far. And they, yeah. they they did very well, played some great football. This was with Klinsmann in charge at the time and then Jürgen Löw as, a, yes. um, as the assistant. Oh, I forget that he was the assistant manager. Yes, yeah, yeah. So what a weirdo. So, so there was. There... <laughs> he is a bit odd. But, but, but what, what, what you had at that time as well was was general indifference from the population until Germany started playing well. Very similar to the way England were this this tournament. Yeah, uh, and they ended up winning the third place playoff game quite emphatically if i remember like two nil or three oh, that's an that's amazing mem- memory john right, I, can, I can hardly remember what happened in this well, one let alone what happened in the last one yeah i was in germany at the time and it, it they it were making stuck, a big deal of it it stuck in my uh it just seemed a I bit mean, desperate to me yeah <laughs> i mean but if you i guess it, it it will make a difference if you're hosting the tournament i think if you're in that game and you're hosting yeah, the tournament, sure. i think yeah, it's one more game isn't it? yeah and, and and you're there so um i mean the job you know, the overriding memory i have of that game and it's probably the only thing i can remember was was lukaku coming off after like i don't know i can't remember he was, was poor, like poor 65 minutes yeah and it's like well yeah and he was he wasn't great it wasn't his mm. best game but it's, it's just weird it's like this guy this guy's got an outside chance to yeah. the golden boot why 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 are they bringing him off oh, yeah well, it's fucking doesn't matter yeah it's weird isn't it he also i thought had a had a sort of indifferent world cup really he had one game where he was excellent didn't he the brazil game the brazil game incredible. but otherwise every game he was fairly anonymous i it, thought it was a bit topsy-turvy because he did have moments of of excellence and kind of him doing all the things that he does great yeah. you know power and pace and and great skill and and being the new drogba uh, essentially yeah. yeah um but but a lot of the time as you say he was fairly uh innocuous and there's that... something about his his demeanor mm. i find that like certain games you just think does he does he want to be around he seems to be very kind of kind um, of passive at he times. kind of lollops around a bit and and doesn't he's not he's not that busy striker like a suarez yeah, or sure. someone like that that but, but that has been him through his entire yeah, career, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. just that's just what he's like. Uh, yeah. But I mean, but interestingly, the 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 one game where he, well, the game where he was at his best, let's say, which was a Brazil game, was one where they changed the um, they changed the formation. Yeah, uh, they put De Bruyne a bit further forward, um, and if that freed up Hazard and that freed up Lukaku, so actually, mm. you know, I, I think he's one of those players who just needs a team playing around him, playing to feed yeah. him in the same way Chelsea did with Drogba. You know, yeah. like the, the whole thing was set up to play through Drogba and I think mm. I think Lukaku needs teams built so, around yeah, him like it could that. have been a result of the system rather than his own possibly than his own performance so that wrapped up the World Cup with France I think all told being accepted worthy winners right yeah. yes yeah I, yeah I don't no other team yeah. stood up and and kind of uh, offered themselves as potential winners really no I mean you know and I think they Prior to prior to the tournament, we we spoke about this right about the right at the start, and we looked at the the talent they had on the 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 on on the pitch. The fact that they were able to leave like people like Martial behind without yeah. even blinking was you know it was it was mm. a demonstration of the quality of their squad. It is amazing, really. See, Martial's not there. Benzema yeah. didn't even get close. You know, it's quite quite amazing, really. And and yeah, and I think they you know they whilst not being spectacular throughout the tournament. Which they, which I don't think they have ever been under Deschamps. No, um, they 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 just were a solid unit and they just went yeah. about their business and they as, as we we said they were they were just steadily growing into the tournament and getting better and better as the, as as it went on. Did you see the halftime team talk from Deschamps that was released? There was some footage from inside the locker room. Oh no, I didn't never watched see it. That. No, <laughs> it's extremely interesting because it is well basic. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you would imagine at a Sunday league match, basically. So Deschamps just says, um, look at a big man. He keeps getting the ball. Don't let him have his back to goal and receive the ball. He's going to be looking for Hazard or whatever. He's going to be looking for, you know, and um, not Hazard, sorry. He's going to be looking for Modric. Like, and, and he was just doing it. I was thinking, is that? 
Was that it? <laughs> like, like, could it really be that simple? Because we think so much about what's going on in these games. But at the end of the day, there's a bunch of lads on the field that have to deal with basically what is a physical situation, right? Mm. And you have to have all those plans in place. And all he really did was just reinforce basic strategy. Well, then that's a, you know a lot of how the a lot of how these teams play. They will have like the more complex kind of like tactical setups, and they will drill through those things in training, and they'll yeah. do a lot of that. But actually, like within game management, a lot of it is. Is, you know, you get tighter to your man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. getting past you each time, or you know, make sure you're not yeah. blocking. And it is going down to much more basic stuff yeah. like, like that. It was interesting hearing Gary Lineker talking about when he um, Bobby Robson was was his uh, the, the England manager, and he was saying he started off and it was really good. It was really kind of encouraging, and he'd kind of get everybody upbeat and ready to go. And then he'd carry on talking and talking, and everybody just start falling asleep <laughs> yeah. again. And, then, and I love, I love those the, the different styles of, of yes. management. I think like well, well, Deschamps certainly knew when to, you know, how to keep it succinct. You know, yeah. I think the last thing he said is "kick it long to Killian." I think that was basically what he said. <laughs> Um, and when walked out of the room and then another little bit of footage surfaced and it's cool to see this stuff because we never saw this really in the past uh, there was another piece um, where I guess Deschamps left the room the players are left on their own to get ready and they're like taking some food on or whatever just to try and build some energy and Pogba was the one who was then like getting everyone together and trying to rally them um, and his speech I thought was really good I was pretty impressed, actually, because he took charge of the room and he was just building everybody up and saying, you know, just keep your heads, don't make mistakes, you you know, back your own ability and, and, and keep the ball moving, you know. And, and it was really good and it was like shit. So that, you know, you, you may not see it on the pitch, but clearly... In the dressing room, Pog was a big influence on yeah, that team. Yeah. It was re- it was really interesting to see the two different styles, and maybe because Deschamps knows he's got a lot of very experienced players in that locker room, that he doesn't need to read the right act or whatever, because he knows that those players are going to get themselves going. I, I agree. I, I I do think to to a point though, it was quite a straightforward game for them. So it was a, a lot a lot of that stuff probably kind of. You know, those speeches. If it was one all, that's true. At yeah. half time, it might have been a different situation. Yeah, but um, but no. Either, either way, it's fascinating how that stuff goes. Yeah, yeah. You you often you often only really think of maybe the 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 captain of the team being the main leader in the team, but but there are often so many more yeah. leaders that that um, influence the team. Well, I mean, I think I think with England, I mean, um, Hendo was very much that man, wasn't yeah. he? he? Was the kind yeah, of yeah. he was the the guy marshalling everybody. He was the he was the cheerleader, if you like. Yeah. Whereas Harry Kane was kind of the leader by example. Yeah, so absolutely. there was there would yeah you have different roles for that kind of thing. And it's um yeah I, I think it's really really interesting to to kind of see the balance, just like you said, Andy, between in-game management and obviously the preparation that's gone in the past and I remember during the 2012 Olympics one of the uh, commentators was talking about how when it comes to the race there's nothing left for the athlete to have to think about Mm -hmm. because everything has been so carefully drilled to that point that it's no longer a question of what do I do it's a question of executing an extremely well thought out plan Mm. and I can imagine like you said for the individual bits of tactics like how players go up against each other for the four or five days before that final that's all they'll have been doing so you know Pogba and uh, and Kante and all those guys will have been told exactly what to do and where to go and Varane will know exactly when he's supposed to press and you don't need to say any of that anymore because that's already there it's only the sort of in-game stuff so any very slight differences that are happening in the game that need to be adjusted for you've got to assume that every man knows his job and is just executing on it I, lo- I love I love the fact as well as again it depends on which manager you speak to but so, some will say the second they walk over the, the white line there's nothing I can do I've, mm. do I've done my job it's now up to them and so that's why you won't see me standing on the side of the pitch ranting and raving because actually the job it's all in their head now and it's just about it's just about execution now whereas there are some other managers who are out there kicking every single football that's out there and screaming yeah. instructions at every single moment and it's just a personal style uh, thing isn't mm. it but I, th- I think there's a balance to be to be uh, found between those two extremes really because I think it's madness to think that that as soon as they cross the line, the manager can't do anything. The manager is still the manager, and he has influence over the team. And he he is also the only one really that 
sees the game uh, uh, as it is and or should see the game as it is and be able to make tweaks to to the game plan as as the game is going on yeah but i i've always and then you you occasionally have managers who will do this i i've, I've never really understood um why why a manager or somebody who is, is trying to influence the tactical situation the game is watching a game from ground level because you get mm. fucking yeah. no idea yeah, of what's going point. on the pitch yeah. and that's mm. why you often get managers you know, alex ferguson always used to have somebody up in the stands yes. didn't yeah, he yeah, yeah. um and there are some other managers who would spend 45 minutes up in the stands and 40 minute down at the match pitch level just because they're seeing and understanding yeah. the game because you can't get I've it always i've always thought that and that is why like certain players while we're talking about World Cup, we can talk about Modric and Pogba. Players like that that sit in the middle of the park that are just surrounded by a sea of heads, basically. Yeah. How they pick passes yeah. is just beyond me. And and it's, and like really special players like Pirlo and and Javi and Iniesta. Some of the passes they do look incredible when you're seeing it from the top down view and the TV cameras. But how how they pick those passes yeah. and how they see the movement of other it's quite quite incredible mm. um, but I totally agree and I was just thinking when we were talking about those different managerial styles you think about how Arsene Wenger and you forget what happened in the last like three or four years or whatever but has been an extremely successful coach would just would just walk out on the field sit in the dugout and that's it basically yeah. for the game right and then Sam Allardyce who's on the edge of his technical the whole time and you know I, it's, it is really interesting the two different styles and it does sometimes I wonder if some of the like psychology behind how managers act on the field, they know that the players and the world will be looking at it and saying, I'm sure Alex Ferguson would have thought very much about this kind of thing, like when to show that when yeah. to show that emotion and when not to, because mm. if you're there on the touchline screaming at your players the whole time, exactly like you said, it's it's, it's saying that I haven't told them what to do, I haven't drilled them, they don't know. And, and, and that's it. Like, like so, well, Arsene Wenger, for example. Like, I mean, he just goes because he's you know the professor. He will he 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 has done. He's probably planned out every single scenario yeah. that could happen in yeah. this 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 game prior to the game. They all have that in their heads. So if they go gold down after ten minutes, they know what their next plan yeah. is because they've yeah. been told what to do in yeah. those circumstances. Whereas there are other there are other managers who it, it's they are part of the they feel part of it and they and they lots of it is lots of the game they're doing is is thinking on your feet in in changing this the situation to adapt to it all the time. So as a result they need to be a part of that. But the outside view of it mm. i think it's def it's definitely part of it and we i've already seen this with carl robinson the oxygen united manager and he is he's he's only been in the club for a, for a few months but he is um he is definitely one for appearances okay and so he will he knows how to the and part of this the cynical part of me thinks part of this is knowing to get the fans on side yeah so he knows how to get the fans on side if things are going a bit shit on the pitch it does get the crowd going yeah doesn't it? so yeah. he'll go in he'll like rip into somebody but it's like not really that. about the player and it's not it's, a, right. it's about it's about part part of it is just so he remains popular i know that but part mm. of it is also i need to lift the fans so i'll do something that will get the fans on side and that will lift the fans or get get the atmosphere turning and things like that so yeah. he gets involved in that kind of thing and so and that's a very different style and a very different way about going going about football and people like um like to 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 a less pleasant degree um it like steve evans is like that as well yeah, yeah, he yeah. knows exact he he as much as i cannot stand the man he is exceptional at influencing a game of football and um, there's a guy former stevenage manager as well whose name just completely escaped me very very briefly it will come back to me um he used to uh he used to just like a player would go down injured like 60 minutes guaranteed absolutely guaranteed or 30 minutes if the game was going against them one of their players would go down on the other side of the pitch and he would stop and he'd bring all of his players over and then have a little fucking like, <laughs> yeah. like a timeout yeah. basically and like and, and that was and it was so orchestrated and it happened in every <laughs> single game they ever played and yet referees just fucking allowed it it was yeah. ridiculous well but, while we're talking about managers, it's an extremely interesting debate, and we did see some different characters during the World Cup. Uh, obviously, Deschamps is, is the winner of the tournament, so a lot of credit has to go to him and for what he's done with that French team over the last couple of years, especially considering that they were considered by some to be in a bad position, you know, not very long ago. Um, but uh, sharp chip, strong muffin... Um, Although, just quick, he a, was a, a quick point with Deschamps, I still, yeah. think, I still think that... 
you could probably have put a trained monkey in charge of that team and they probably still would have done oh, very, very that well. Is, that is. That, right. you, I, I mean, come on. I, I, That's a big shout, John. Maybe not a trained monkey, but you, you get my point. I, I think they probably would have done very well without him as well. I'm, I don't know. France have Possibly, been struggling but... for a long time, and this, you know, yes, they have a couple of new additions for this for this tournament, but mm. you know, it's not it's not a you know it's not a fresh team. Okay. It's not uh, a brand new uh, team. Let, let me. I let think me you're re- being a little bit harsh on okay. Deschamps there. Let me rephrase it. I I don't think they won the World Cup because of him. No, sure, but so, I don't think any manager can take full credit for their team. Maybe not. But... No, you're right. They're a very they're a very good side, and yes, they they obviously need some coaching, but. I think it's a bit harsh to say that he didn't influence it. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, if if it, to be to be hypercritical, one could say actually they they laboured to to that World Cup win more than what maybe they should have done because mm. maybe maybe they should have been more emphatic with a lot of their victories through the course of the tournament based on the quality they have. But at the end of the day, they fucking won the World Cup. Well, right? exactly. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. I think we can be much more critical of uh, someone like Roberto Martinez. Who maybe had an even more impressive uh, squad at his his disposal and didn't didn't get it working and in fact at key moments as we discussed on the previous podcast at key moments made the wrong decisions. So I've I've seen a lot written about Belgium and and it being a coming of age for that team and I, I I'm not sure that's right. I mean they're they're a fantastic team and they've got great players and they finished third at the World Cup but yeah. that's I'd say that's kind of par. For them, well, I think semi-final should have been expectation. Yeah. Really, I mean, yeah. imagine if England had the quality of players that that Belgium team mm. had. We'd have been, we'd have been screaming that we should be winning the World Cup mm-hmm. before we'd even kicked a ball. You know, so I think, yes, I think they will be, they will be disappointed. They will, they will be disappointed, but they did come up against France in their semi-final yeah. and yeah, had, yeah. and had they lost to us in that third game in the group stages, yes. they would have made the World Cup final. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I sure, don't doubt that sure. for a single. Second, and they did beat so. Brazil on the way, so yeah. you know, I think more than anything, beating Brazil was a big moment. For yeah, them. but yeah, going back to, to to the manager's situation, I think the the manager that probably came out best from the whole tournament was our very own Strong Muffin. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't know what ended up happening happening with this, but he was he was shortlisted for uh, by FIFA as like man, international yeah, manager of the year or whatever. Um, but but in terms of taking the team that he did, um, and we'll probably go on to talk about this in a little bit more detail later. But the the, the quality of in terms of the individual players and the quality of the yeah. squad that we had, taking that to the semi final in the manner that he did. Um, I, I I think I I just think it was an incredible achievement. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and England fans have taken a lot of flack, um, particularly from you know the the, the other home home nations, um, for getting excited or overexcited or whatever, enjoying this way too much. Yeah. But having reached the semi final of the World Cup for the third time in our history, yeah. um, with that squad. Is a fucking incredible achievement. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the idea that we we can't we couldn't or shouldn't celebrate that is fucking nonsense. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's years of them being happy that we've been failing. Yes. And then all of a sudden we're not failing, and yeah. so we we're not allowed to have that. But I, I do find I do find the home count the home countries thing quite frustrating. All in all, because. Well, my personal feeling actually is that we should have a British team. I'd be much, I'd be very much in favour of of having a British team. And Add, so, adding Gareth Bale to that squad yeah. would make all the difference. I was thinking Lee <laughs> Griffiths. So it's, it's never going to happen, though, is it? No, but I not, really enjoyed it for, for the Olympics. You know, having mm. having a British team. I just think it's nice to have everybody on on board because. Even even when you know we do get our international thing and everybody gets on board, there's still fucking haters there. They're, they're giving, always giving us grief about. They're it. always going to be haters, though, aren't they? There, there are. I mean, the, the, I I I actually enjoy the rivalry though. I was, I was chatting to uh, a. a it's not much of a rivalry, is it? Well, no. But I was chatting to a, a, a friend of a friend who's a, a, a Scottish supporter, and he's actually like a proper Scotland okay. supporter. He goes and not follows. an anti-England supporter. No, no. He just say he. I mean, he wants England to lose, but he's because he's because he's Scottish. Like, um, but but he's a, he follows Scotland around, um, and he goes to all of their international games. Um, and and he was talking about, and, and I was having this. this discussion with him and I said look it's weird because obviously Wales are much better than Scotland at the moment obviously we played them and beat them in the European Championships two years ago but were ultimately outperformed by them in that tournament because they reached the semi-final I said like but but as much as I like beating Wales 
or rather, no, no, rather, I don't like to lose to Wales. Yeah. Um, I actually get more satisfaction out of beating Scotland. <laughs> like, I, 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 maybe it's a historic thing or something. I don't know. But I, 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 I genuinely, I, I, don't, I don't care about whether they win or lose or like away from when they're playing yeah. against England. But when they're playing against England, there's a greater sense of satisfaction out of out of it. And I love that. Ga- I Gas- love Gascoigne chipping Colin Hendry. Yeah. Oh, that was and I just, magical. I just, I love, I, I love those kind of rivalries. That's kind of what makes football fun. But it's the vitriol and the hatred that yes. I can't be asked with. Like, right. Well, I think uh, what we'll do is we'll have a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the World Cup and uh, we'll pick out some some top performances uh, from players and teams alike, and then we can put this fantastic World Cup to bed. Ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. England win a penalty shootout. England are in a World Cup quarterfinal. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. Um, So... Let's have a little look back and see if we can pick out some of our favourite moments from from the tournament, and also highlight any uh, any maybe surprise performances from people. Uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of weird moments that I was just going to mention, which okay. which I think deserve being uh, remembered forever. Uh, number one being Hugo Lloris vomiting up a live moth, <laughs> which was quite was it, quite incredible. Wasn't situation. it a dragonfly? I think it was a dragonfly. It, was, it might have been a dragonfly. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, no, of course, Moths was Cristiano Ronaldo, it wasn't was, it? Yeah. yeah. No, he. it was just a very strange situation because the camera flopped, cut to him. Flobbed it we, out. We hadn't seen what had led up to it. He just sort of flops out. This live creature <laughs> comes out of his mouth and flies away. I've never seen the like of it. For, for me, for me, the best best kind of funny moment has to be Batshuayi. Batshuayi. Has to be. <laughs> The thing I loved, Absolute the thing genius. I loved about that was that he realised how stupid yeah. it was. He was laughing at himself. Yeah, brilliant. Like, like I said, like had had it been after conceding a goal, he might yes. not have been laughing quite so much. But but nevertheless, I it think was it fucking shows beautiful. how much of a dead rubber that game was as well. There was nothing going on in that game. He just have a little laugh at himself there. That's why. No, that was an excellent one. Well, what about uh, Gerard Piquet helping the bird? That was a nice really one. Weird, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like a little, there's a bird on the pitch. <laughs> I, I don't know, they very carefully ushered it off yeah. as well. Didn't they get yeah. some reward from the RSPB or yeah. whatever? It's pet, quite nice. Pet, pet, oh, PT tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another weird, very weird moment. Uh, at the end of the World Cup final, torrential downpour. That was very yeah. weird. Yeah. That was very weird. And especially that when we finally got to the magical World Cup moment, three sort of blokes in suits just ran right across the front of I the know. camera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> blocking the shot. It was really weird. So the, to, the so, money shot. Yeah. Some of the some of the the kind of like the TV direction and stuff wasn't at its best during no, that no, tournament. No, no, like, no, there sure. was bits of weirdly in the um I think it was the third place playoff that might even have been the semi-final um, but it was certainly an England game anyway um, where every it was it was in the semi-final like they kept cutting to like cameras yes, which were yeah. swigging around wildly all yeah. over the place yeah the director on that was terrible because I remember at one point like England were just building from the back and they just cut to someone in the crowd and go back to the football <laughs> this football's happening <laughs> It's like, no, you only cut away when there's a fucking corner or something. Get back so, on the pitch. Here's a question. What is it about World Cups and um, the, the the cameramen picking out the hot girls in the crowd all they the love bloody it. time? They love it. I, I think mean, a lot of it is just the cameraman's bored and he's like filming around the director goes, oh, hello. Yeah, I love that. But, <laughs> but supposedly, one of my mates, because obviously I work in TV, so I hear a bit yeah. about this stuff. Um, uh, one of my colleagues who's actually um, used to be professional vision mixer he said that people will actually, like, they will be camera guys that that's what they do. They always do it. And as a director, sometimes some of the directors like it and they will actually, like, talk back to the camera. And, yeah, more of that. More yeah, of that. yeah. But the, but the thing is, like, Premier League, you know, uh, La Liga, Bundes, you don't see that. You I don't think the see... cameramen are doing it, but the directors are not actively cutting to those cameras. Right. Okay. I mean, you see it in the cricket all the time. They're looking for hot girls in the cricket. Yeah. The um They got a bit more time. Yeah, they have. Um I was gonna come up with what I was gonna say now. But carry on. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh any other any other Oh no, sorry. Moments? obviously Neymar on the touchline was a classic. 
Well, uh, with his writhing around. Yeah, Neymar's general shithousery and yes, diving. And, yeah. I mean, Jesus. one of one of my favourite things about this whole World Cup was is the is the incredible array of like beautifully edited like gifts oh, of Neymar. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like the the level of, of memery <laughs> yeah. from this World Cup has yeah. been quite fantastic. On another level. Yeah. 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 Like just like like Reddit is basically he's got he's got an entire corner just for, for ripping the piss out of Neymar. It's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> well we were on our WhatsApp chat and Matt said, Oh I'd love to see uh, Neymar with the Mortal Kombat theme tune. I was like, I can do that. Yeah. Give, me, give, give me ten minutes. <laughs> I've then wasted an hour of my life doing that. But that's done. So that's a thing now. Didn't get me many upvotes. It's very disappointing. No, it was really no, annoying because no. they were talk, talking about um, Neymar and like, like Lineker kept talking about. It. And I, I generally agree with quite a lot of what Lineker says yeah. about football. Not everything, but 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 he 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 was like belligerently saying like like getting quite angry that people weren't accepting. They're saying like I can't understand why people are saying Neymar isn't a great footballer. It's like mm. I was like no. Neymar is an exceptionally talented footballer that does not make him a great footballer. And now he has incredible moments in football matches, yeah. but he would be a million times better at yeah. football if he if he cut all of that he shit out. He doesn't play enough game. football for me. No. You look at Cristiano Ronaldo, right? And he started his career in that kind of vein, doing yeah. lots of tricks and trying to be clever. And then he realized I could just run towards goal and score, score a goal, goal instead. Yeah. And so yeah. that now like he's the most direct player ever because yeah. he knows that's what really counts. And like Neymar spent most of his tournament not trying not trying to beat people, not trying yeah. to make passes or runs or score goals or anything. He was the second he got got the football or gets the football he's looking how can I win a free kick here how, yeah. and that's it and it's instant his I'm how will I win a free kick which is a which is a really anti-football way of playing yeah, football absolutely. I just there, find it fascinating there, there was um, there was an early Brazil game where um, Neymar was doing his normal shithousery and diving yeah. all over the place and the ref was having none of it Absolutely none of mm-hmm. it. Nice. And he he lit, he lit, at one point you could see him taking taking Neymar to one side and says you know basically this cut, isn't gonna, cut yeah. it out. Um, and and it was about twenty minutes after that, and he was basically sulking. He <laughs> yeah, was yeah. basically sulking on the pitch. Oh it God. was it was shocking. I mean, this is a grown man, and he's he's well, sulking. The, the, I, I was actually I think, one I think, of my sorry one of my uh, one of my colleagues uh, is a Brazilian guy, and we were talking about Neymar, and he said something that I thought was very interesting. He said the perception of Neymar in Brazil is that he wants to be he wants to be treated like a child. It's not that he acts like a child; it's that he wants to be a child, and part of that is because supposedly ever since he's very very young, he has been coddled he has been managed he everything mm-hmm. about his life has been curated for him so he likes that he likes being the center of attention just like you know a, a four three or four year old child yeah. and supposedly that just has now become his thing you know it's like he wants to be treated like that well, and so I, it just gets worse and worse and worse i, I mentioned on the pod a, a few weeks ago didn't i that there was this former player and I, again i've forgotten who it was unfortunately but but he he had this quote that um, if we're not careful, we're going to create a monster with Neymar because mm. because that's what was happening. They were they were moddy cuddling, moddy cod- Molly mo- mo- <laughs> coddling. That's the word, Molly coddling <laughs> him. Coddles um, yes. to such an extent that that um, yeah, he wasn't growing as a human, as a person. Mm. And he do, was, um, do you know? Do you know what though is? I mean, and it is a it is a story because it was partly because of the way everybody talks about him, but. Should we fuck him off? Because <laughs> because like that World Cup was incredible in mm. spite of him. Yes, yeah, right? not yeah, because yeah. of him. Yeah, in spite of him. Yes, um, and it was a wonderful tournament. Well, I was so. about to say then. So if Neymar's a big loser from the tournament, I think yeah. we can probably all agree he was. Was Kylian Mbappe the big winner? Yeah, player wise, him and him and Slaphead. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who who fantastically came out in the press and said he didn't want to move to Man United, which I thought was fucking brilliant. <laughs> well, why would you? <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, I I think I think we all the thing about Mbappe is he's not a breakout player for this World Cup. So I think we already knew uh he was an extremely good player, you know, and he had a 200 million uh, euro price tag on his mm. head. So mm. it's not like he's come from nowhere. Um but he did perform, you know, and and he was he he had two or three games in which he had, you know, five or six fantastic moments that got France to where they needed to be in the tournament. Yeah, I would, I would say he had isolated games. So I don't, I don't think he was a consistent high performer throughout the game. Certainly not 
Certainly not in terms of kind of, you know, like writing stars in the sky kind of levels. I, sure. think, I think in his best games, he was fucking incredible. And he just showed a glimpse of what we're going to be you know, treated to over the course of his career. Yeah. Um, but but I think I would, and I think it's probably unfair to, 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 to kind of add this caveat because he's so young. But I think he had isolated, really, really fucking great games. Well, he made the difference against Argentina. He yes. made the difference against Belgium, yep. you know. Um, I think Argentina in particular, he was uh, yeah. on another level. Yeah, big, fantastic. Big time. He was amazing. Yes. Um, and, and yes, it was against a fairly slow back line. I think, I think Argentina flattered everyone that played yeah. them yes. <laughs> in the end. Yeah, but yeah, I think, I think Mbappe you know, can, can definitely hold his, his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle head high <laughs> after, that, uh, after that tournament. And anyone else, John, that, that for you really, really stood out? Um, well, I mean, he, he was he was voted the best player of the tournament, but Modric for me was was yeah. exceptional, pretty much. From His start. goal again against Argentina yeah. was pretty special. Yeah. I mean, from start to finish, I think he was excellent, and and I think uh, whereas a lot of players kind of had peaks and troughs and and were fairly inconsistent, even Mbappe that we mentioned, uh, f- for me, he was probably the most consistent player. Um, in every game that he played. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think it's overstating it to say that without him, they wouldn't have got anywhere near the final. No. Um, and, 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 and they've got, obviously, they've got some excellently talented players. I mean, you know, like Modric, Rakitic in, in Perisic would make it into most, if not yes. all squad, well, if, you know, they make it into all squads of Re- any country. Rebic is a great player as yeah. well. Well, even, if you looked even... at that lineup, you know, you had, um, you had Rakitic, Modric, Rebic, uh, and you had Perisic. Brozovic. And Brozovic. I mean, well. it's a pretty oh, yeah. amazing good, good, selection of players. Really good players. And like, they even had like Mandzukic, who's, who's decent, but he, he was, they were actually carrying him for a lot of that tournament because he didn't have a great tournament in like... <laughs> Who who was the striker that they sent home? I've forgotten his name now. Uh, Kalinic. Kalinic. Kalinic yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is he going to be absolutely kicking himself? Well, he should be because he's an idiot, isn't he? Well, yeah. He? he could have played in the World Cup final and yeah. instead he's sitting on his sofa at home. Mm. Uh, so I, I've got a couple of players, um, both from Uruguay, mm-hmm. one of whom we know a lot about is Edison Cavani. I thought until he mm. picked up that injury was an excellent excellent player for them this World Cup and showed the kind of quality that he has and especially when everything you know is is connected to club football obviously at the World Cup and when we're when everyone is looking at Mbappe and Neymar his you know Paris uh, teammates for him as the kind of elderly statesman to step up and perform at the level that he did when everyone's talking about his colleagues I thought was pretty special and uh, the goal that he scored off his face uh, from the Suarez cross was one of my favourite moments of the whole World Cup. Yeah, it was an absolutely incredible goal and a fantastic yes, was, moment. Yeah. And the other player in that squad who for me is a kind of breakout talent is the midfielder that I was banging on about, Ben Tanker, who every time I saw him play, I just thought, this guy is class. Yeah. He is a classy, classy player. So I think I think he's somewhere in Italy at the moment and we might see him pop up elsewhere. Um, I just uh, giving giving a, a nod to uh, other players. There's a couple I want to mention um, and... You, John, you slightly jokingly mentioned um, Harry Maguire. Oh, I wasn't. But, I wasn't joking. Well, okay, wasn't joking. but 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 I I, <laughs> I, I genuinely. I mean, I think I think we and we had some really good performers throughout our squad, throughout our side, um, in in that tournament. Um, genuinely think like for somebody who was he there was question marks as to whether or not he was even going to be making it into the starting lineup should yeah. we go for the slightly more um experienced Gary Cahill um or then they will go with him was, people are a bit nervous about putting somebody as uh, inexperienced as him into the side he, he you know me I was happy it. He, well, I was yeah, happy to was, have anybody that wasn't yeah going yeah of course but <laughs> like but 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 he was so much more than that like no, I mean right. like he was he was I mean, he basically ran our defence, mm. like, and and he he showed a maturity just so so far beyond his years. His reading of the games, like, is a reading of a thirty-five year old defender, not a twenty was he twenty five, twenty six, okay, yeah. So yeah, a bit older than that, but but nevertheless, he's his his reading the game is just absolutely 
fucking incredible. Um, I think he his, had an almost flawless tournament, really. I don't really remember him making many mistakes. And, so and when f- he came forward with the ball, he was very yes. effective with that as well. In the first game, I do remember him looking a little bit shaky. You know, I he think missed, he had said that himself, didn't he? Yeah, he, mis- he misplaced he misplaced a few few passes, um, but it was literally only the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And then he really grew into the game. And I, I think that was, that was simply just nerves. He uh, reminded me a bit of Sol Campbell in his yes. pomp. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, for England mm-hmm. and Tottenham. Like, a, a really, really good classy what was what was incredible for him is because his because his, his his forays forward as well they weren't do you remember when Saul Campbell was doing that in 2002 he was that that was just kind of like a centre half rampaging over the halfway line without a yeah. great deal of control or or, or or anything whereas Maguire going forward and John Stone said this to a certain extent as well but but he was actually going forward and he was playing like a like a workman like kind of like ball playing central midfielder yeah, he yeah. was actually starting to direct and command the game mm. from a midfield position which just fucking I mean that that that, that helped our game massively yeah. against the teams like Tunisia who were locking down against us I think that's having... a very modern way of playing and I was really happy to see England play that where they're willing to say we don't need to defend now we have the ball we're confident we have the ball we don't need to defend the wing backs are going to go up you're going to leave one defender back and your defensive midfielder just following and it doesn't matter if one of your centre-backs goes forward because we've got that covered. Yeah. And I love that level of confidence that, that we had in, in the tournament. It was fantastic. Um, um, and my, my, other, my other player, uh, and again, it's a relatively obvious one, uh, is Kieran Trippier because mm. I just, I think so much... So I mean, obviously, all of our dead ball stuff was either him or, or yeah. Ashley Young, but the, the majority of the good stuff w- was him, and that's why we were so threatening from set pieces. It's just the fucking accuracy of his crosses, his free kicks, his corners were absolutely incredible. Um, and he just he just offered so much kind of culture. He was he was always an option. It didn't matter who had the ball in the middle of the park. He was always making himself an option for people, um, and he was creating space and he was making the back lines really worry about him because they were they already had fucking like um harry kane on their shoulder they already had um you know raheem sterling legging around and jesse lingard pinging balls left right center and they were always constantly having to worry from this guy who can pick out a fucking head from nowhere like legging it down the down the flank so i just i just i think he made so much happen for the for our game and I, i i think we would have been we would have been a much poorer team without him. Yeah. Any other uh, shout outs, uh, John, for uh, someone someone from the other side of the draw? I'm thinking Belgium. Did anybody impress you out well, of that I, Belgian team? Uh, absolutely. But to be honest, most of those names are, are names that everyone's heard of. I mean, I'd, I'd, I thought Nasser Chadley had a good. Had a good he, he did actually, to be honest. For, for the times that he came on, I thought he was pretty effective. I, I know Tottenham fans aren't too, uh, you know. Yeah, too impressed with him, but I I thought he was excellent. I I thought he's a good player for quite a while, um, and I think he did very well whenever he came on. The, um, the breakaway winner against Japan was a quite magical moment, really. A, a great goal, yeah, yeah, a great goal. I'd like, I'd quite like to pick out one player that I'd, to be honest, never heard of before. Yeah, which was the Russian Cherzhev. Oh yeah, Cherzhev. Um, yeah. He was who scored, he scored two wonder goals, a couple of absolute crackers. I mean, the 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 last one, in fact, that he scored was probably the best of the bunch, and I think it made it into the top. Do we know well, what won the goal of the tournament? I assume uh, it was Pavard's. It was Pavard. It was Pavard, yeah. Was Pavard, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but incredibly harsh on basically about <laughs> five other 15, players, yeah. 15 other goals because there were so many incredible goals. It was a, it was a tournament, a, a series of wonder goals and yeah. a series of own goals. I think the most own goals in any World Cup tournament by three times or something. It was a ridiculous... Uh, 12 or something? Ridiculous 12? number yeah. of OGs. I mean, du- doubling Kane's golden boot yeah. tally yeah. Uh, for OGs, uh, but yeah, some incredible goals. Chersev scored, you know, two wonderful goals. Mm. Um, I thought Nacho's goal, given the circumstance, deserved to be to be up there. I, I think maybe it was a better goal than than Pavard's, just in the situation. Mm. Uh, although that the, the Pavard goal in the in against Argentina was a was a beautiful moment itself as well. Um, and, and Lingard's goal was excellent. Fantastic. I, I mean, yeah. we never score goals like that. No, it's, it's true. It's so great to see an England player having a go and scoring yeah. a wonder goal like that. Uh, and a couple more moments I was just going to mention. Uh, I don't want to finish on England. Can we talk about England all the time? I'm going to throw an England one in now. I'm going to finish on another one. Uh, Harry Kane's goal against Tunisia, the winner against Tunisia, because... For so long, for so many years, we would never have scored that goal. Yeah. So I, I almost couldn't believe it 
when uh, when Kane popped up at the back post and nodded that one in. And for me, that was the moment that I was like, okay, this is something's going to happen in this World Cup now. Something's going to happen. And so it was a real. It was a real. Uh, that was a really emotional moment, that one. Yeah, and also, just, just to build on that point as well, um, is Kane's third, the one that bounced off his heel against <laughs> yeah. Panama. Because, because <laughs> when that happened, yeah. you said like, oh, right, things are going our way. Yeah, for once. You know, because <laughs> yeah. like, that happens. happens. Yeah, like, it happens in football, isn't it? Where like, the, the, the things go against you forever. And But yeah, the, all of a sudden, it's like, Oh no, 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 the football gods are shining on England for this yes, tournament. I'm yeah, all right with that. Absolutely. And and I, I think you'd be stupid to to not admit that we did get lucky a couple of times and things did go our way more oh, than yeah, once. Definitely. Well there, but there were there were, but you know, any team that has any success, that is always going yeah, to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to take a bit it. of that. So uh, the final one I was gonna mention, uh which, because I, I think it, it just sums up the general feeling about the tournament, was the celebration, both celebrations, of the big Russian forward Juba. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, that, and now there's a guy that really gives a fuck about scoring for his country, you know, and the two wonderful celebrations for a, from a classic big man forward. Really unfashionable footballer as Absolutely, well, you know, like because yeah. it's just not how football's played anymore. No, he's a him, tree. Yeah. <laughs> and for him to have bounced onto the stage in the way that he did, because he came on, didn't he, in the Saudi Arabia yes, game, yeah. like basically instantly scored. And, yeah. and, and um, <laughs> went, yeah. went bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I it just, I, yeah, all of that stuff's really good. Um, another, uh, um, another goal that, I can't remember who the fucking hell who scored it, but the, the Germany's winner against Sweden. Kroos. Oh, uh, the, yeah, Tony Kroos. The, yeah. the, hold, the hold me tight for you. Yeah, um, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, that was a magical moment. Yeah. Um, just you... just because because it was a... I mean, as much as I was fur- absolutely furious <laughs> yes, at, yes. at the time, absolutely furious. But in hindsight, now actually it would have been more meaningful had they not then gone out in the next game. Um, it was... It was such an incredible moment and such a beautifully executed goal yeah. to dig your side out of basically almost almost certainly going out of the World Cup yeah. after two matches. Crazy. Um was 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 absolutely incredible to pull that off in the last Didn't help them though, did no, it? it didn't. didn't help them. <laughs> right. And what I'm gonna do uh, before we end this section, I'm going to ask each of you for your moment of the World Cup. Now we may all pick the same one, so let's see. So Andy Roberts, your moment of the World Cup. That's actually quite a difficult one. Um, I think the thing is there are, there are lots of moments. One of one of my favourite moments. You get one it, at this point. You get one, Andy. All right, then. Then it's the winning the penalties. Yes. Okay. Well, so you've taken my point. Very good. Well, I was um, going to say I was going to say the Pickford save. For me, that was the yeah. that was the moment of the yeah. World Cup. I was basically in tears at that moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, if if I have to choose another moment, um, you, you can it, have it if you want. What? No, I, I'll choose another moment. Go on. Um, it's it's probably um, uh, what's his face, the Tottenham, the Tottenham forward uh, for South Korea scoring the goal again. Oh, and that was Germany. that was, and that and that was that was the one I was going <laughs> to do. <laughs> I was going to do that. That was one. also glorious, magical. It was so fantastic. Good. Well, we can put to bed what I think was. Probably the best World Cup I can I can mm. ever remember. Yes. Mm. Uh, it had everything. It had England going deep into the tournament for the first time in a long time. It had a young squad with heroes being born out of nowhere. It had cup sets left, right and centre, wonder goals all over the shop. And it had Germany going out very early. So, all in all... What, what more could you want? It had the whole package. So, I think that is the end. But it's not the end for Worldie, because Worldie will now find itself transformed as we enter the domestic season. Uh, and one might do some rebranding, Andy. Might do mm, yeah, a little I bit like of that. rebranding. Yeah. Um, uh, every Goal of Worldy will probably still be our, still be the name of the pod because it encompasses everything that we love about a beautiful game. Mm. Uh, but we are going to take our focus onto the Football League and particularly uh, Oxford United and Reading Football Club. So we'll take a little break now and then we'll just have a little chat to prepare us for the season ahead. Thanks a lot, boys. I feel much better now. Well, you you should feel better, Gareth, because it's been a wonderful old time. But it's over now and it's in the past. And what is in the future is the 1819 Football League, Andy. And you know what? Like, I... 
when when the World Cup was on. So so like little things happen. So um, they announced the Premier League fixtures, for example, on the opening day of the fucking World Cup, like a bunch of twats. <laughs> like yeah. like and, and I like could not give a shit. <laughs> and like and I'm and I'm a massive Oxford fan. I've been a season ticket holder for for, for Christ knows how long. Um and 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 you know normally over the summer. All I'm doing is just watching to see what's going on. I'm engaged, conversing with people, talking about Oxford. Like, not a single moment did Oxford United cross my mind during, the, <laughs> during this summer because of the World Cup, because of how amazing the World Cup yeah. was. Um, and I just wasn't interested in the slightest. Um, and and I was struggling to get interested in it a little bit after the World Cup had finished. Um, You're coming down, then, aren't you? You're yeah, coming down. But then, um, had a couple of ch- I had a chat with my girlfriend and a couple of other people and we have just got well just a couple of days ago bought ourselves tickets to Barnsley away which is the first game of the season next Saturday nice. and all of a sudden got it with those away day tickets in your hand all of a sudden <laughs> I'm fucking pumped for it and I can't wait excellent so what what's happened over the close season any major changes well I mean Oxford Oxford had a huge clear out at the end of the season last season. We had a lot of deadwood to get rid of because um, Pep Clotet, our former manager, over the summer last year, had brought in a load of people that he knew, not fully understanding how difficult... He had no idea what League One was like because yeah. he'd spent his entire career in England as a as an assistant manager at Leeds. Um, so he had no idea what, what to expect. And so he brought a load of people in, bar one, who were basically shit... Um, whereas you know he had one good player and everybody else was rubbish, and he um, so we had to have a massive, massive clear out, and I think we got rid of like eleven, twelve players. Um, we have brought in a load of new ones. Um, I'll be honest with you, I think our squad feels very thin. Okay. Um, we've brought in a couple of guys. We the, the probably the most interesting <laughs> signing is a is a lad called I think it's Gavin White, um, who's a young Northern Irish footballer who has been playing over in the Irish league and is scoring. A fuck ton of goals over nice. there, and it's, it's got he's got loads of pace, scores loads and loads of goals, and everyone's saying this guy's destined for greatness. Mm. So, and, and apparently he's been got lots of people interested from across the uh, across the football league, but Oxford have managed to secure his services. That's always good when your club manages to sneak onto somebody that's that's got something about them. Yeah, although we did have that a few seasons ago, Michael Appleton's first season in charge, when we brought a, a, a fella over from Ireland who was absolutely dog shit. <laughs> So, uh, so, so it doesn't always work out in your favour like that. Um, but we've also we've got um, just keeping the the, the Reading and Oxford theme going. We've got a lad called Jamie Mackey who was alone yeah, here at yeah. Reading, so he's now in. I think he's signed. He's former QPR guy. Yes. I think he's actually signed. We've got a few loanees and stuff. We've got a attacking midfielder uh, from from West Ham as well. So there's 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 so, some interesting, exciting stuff from Oxford, but it's um, it's. I've not been kind of overwhelmed. I, I, this isn't like, holy shit, look at all these guys we've brought in. We're about to set this, this league alight. Yeah. So we've had a decent preseason, but that means nothing in the grand no, scheme exactly. of things. I hope it doesn't because Reading had their, their sort of uh, signature friendly on Saturday and we got thoroughly thumped by Crystal Palace 4 nil at home. Oh so it's not a great way to, to start the season off. Um and we've had a similarly uh, flat close season. A couple of uh, reasonable purchases. We've, we're still looking for a striker. We haven't really had one for for quite a long time. We had Jan Kermogen, who was our main man, but he's a thirty-something-year-old big French forward. You know, who's not really gonna bang in a load of goals for you. Yeah. Um. Uh, and so we're still waiting for that person. We bought Sparky McNulty from Coventry, who bagged twenty-something goals for them last season, but has had one good season in his career. So we'll see where that goes. And there's always that hope in the last week before the season starts that something's going to happen. And and Twitter is, every time there's any announcement for Reading, all oh, the new kits coming out, we've got some uh, cup games set up. Every time someone's like, oh, they might, they might mention a new, buy, a new signing with this one. It's like, no. There, no. There's very little going on. I think Oxford, Oxford are also looking at another Reading player, Sam Smith. Is yes, it? I think so. Yeah, Oxford, great voice. Great um, voice. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, um, yeah, Oxford trying to sign him. Um, uh, he's done nothing. Is he not? No. But, no, but, you know, no, a, yeah. a, a, a player with potential. Yeah, and, and you know, men, and, and we're playing a division below. You know, the championship exactly. is a much, much higher quality division than League One. So, um, yeah, so we're trying, trying to get his services, I think. But um, I, I, I think Reading rejected an initial approach, I think. We're uh, desperately trying 
starting to reject bids at the minute because we're not, you know, we also have a fairly thin, mm. thin squad, and we have our, our probably our best player who actually had a poor season uh, last year. Uh, this guy called Liam Moore, who's our sort of our main centre back, has been touted around for for you know the next tier upper clubs always sniffing around those types of players, uh, and we're staunchly uh, you know rejecting bids. What twelve million quid is it? Something like that. That's we a lot would, of money for. I, I think yeah, I think Reading were pushing for fifteen million mm-hmm. because he's still only twenty three years old. I think a stadium like. for that. I know. So <laughs> I, I to be honest, I think we're basically just trying to price him out. So that, yeah, okay, so that's, that's fair. Yeah. I, I think that's legit. Like um, we uh, one of the, actually the best pieces of business we did with signing our, our goalkeeper Simon Eastwood on a yes. new three year deal um, because he's a quality player he's fucking incredible I mean, yeah. he's by far and away the most important player in our squad no doubt about it um, he's been player of the month like player of the season rather for like three seasons uh, in, in, like including seasons that had like Kemar Roof in you know yes. like this guy yeah, this yeah. guy's he, he's, he's absolutely magnificent uh, interestingly pre-season we have uh, Jonathan Beaker Jonathan Beaker who's former Swindon striker mm-hmm. uh, who, who had a sort of okay indifferent season for us last season a bit interrupted by injury not not never got a massive rate running the side is scoring goals for fun pre-season nice. so it's going to be interesting to see what he does he'll probably just go back to being fairly ordinary so quick quick question if this keeper is is that good mm-hmm. why why have why has another club not come Lots in? Lots of him? clubs have come in. Oh, they him. have. Yeah. So last season, Barnsley were in for him. Um, and we were t- we t- obviously talked about the valuations of goalkeepers in in previous yeah. podcasts and stuff. But he, uh, they came in with a, something like like three hundred thousand. Yeah. And I'm like, this is this is a club where we you know we were selling players for three and a half million pounds. Players like like Callum O'Dowd and Kemar Roof, who whilst massively massively important for us in our promotion season, I. I, I was sad to see those guys go. I would be devastated to lose to lose Simon Eastwood, mm. and yet he's but, valued that that much lower yeah, than yeah. those guys. Although maybe things have changed now that Liverpool have spent seventy million on yeah. a chap called Allison. Um, well, that's a fucking strange old decision. That is like it's, it's interesting. It's well, not that I wonder good, if it's because it? people knew Liverpool had that much money sitting around. That seems to be yeah. how it goes these well, days. They've, they've spent about one hundred and seventy million this um, yeah. this summer. That's that's yeah, a lot John. Of money. So. This is a podcast about the football, real football, as what? I like to call it. Are you what? gonna are you gonna you chip mean Premier in? Premier League? No, yeah, you're gonna chip in with some of that fancy Dan uh, nonsense from well, from over there. Well, my 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 dad's uh, my dad's a big Rotherham United fan, and oh, they, there you they're, go. They're kind of they're kind of my second team, and they got promoted from League One last season. Well, you're gonna be watching a lot of Royals this year as well, John. So they hopefully going to be your third team. <laughs> Absolutely. There, there there are some interesting stories in the football league this season, though. I think I mean Sunderland down into League One is going to be a fascinating one. They've got their yeah. they've got their Premier League parachute payment still, which is going to massively tons work in of their money, favor. enormous ground, yeah. big following. They they I mean they probably going to be stabilised by the fact that they've got um, new owners in um, a guy called Stuart Donalds former Oxford um, investor um, and a guy who was actually trying to buy Oxford United out a good few seasons is, ago um, is the big uh, the big striker Noel Quinn is he still involved because he had didn't he have some hand in that club yeah I don't think he's there or is anymore. he out now well yeah. he's overseen a pretty bad period of they, time they, I mean they, they I mean they prior to I mean prior to their, their relegation from the championship they were all over the fucking shop yeah, I mean yeah. absolute disaster zone um, I suspect they will probably stabilise this season um, but it'd be funny if they don't yeah <laughs> it'd be funny if they do a Coventry and that's another good story because Coventry uh, it really sad to, yeah, yeah and it's really sad to see that they just plummeted they just yeah. they could yeah. they could very easily have plummeted without a trace but they've managed despite the shit that they've got going on with their ground they managed to bounce back up into League One so they're back nice. into League One this season so and it it's a nice place to go the Rico mm. um, uh, they're still there um, and so it's nice to see a, a side like that uh, back in League One so I'm going to be keeping an eye on all the shot town as well to see if they can uh, have a good season and get their way towards the top of the conference because they're an excellent team and again a nice little ground and another local club there's not many clubs around this this part of the world so it's another mm. good local club to follow coincidentally do you remember earlier on in the pod I, there, was, there was something I was going to say and I couldn't remember what it was yeah. it's when we were talking about cameras like on the, the hot ladies in the crowd yes right so I spent uh, spent like seven years commentating Oxford United games we went to older shot quite a lot when we were in the conference and in the league too and um, the there was a there was a really nice kind of friendly little atmosphere in the, their press room down there, I mean, press area down at Aldershot. And I remember pre, you know, it was at half time in one of the games. One of the photographers, local guy, who came 
photographer came round into the press room and he had like a crowd of people around him with his camera and I was going, what's going on? <laughs> so I took a wander over and this guy was just showing everybody in the press box or the press area all of the hot girls yeah. in the crowd that he had taken photos <laughs> oh look at her isn't she fair unbelievable like, this dirty old man with his telephoto lens and people say misogyny in football is dead what do they know I was just double checking there yeah the, the Aldershot ground is the electrical services stadium which I think is is that what it's fantastic. called fantastic I used to call it the EBB stadium <laughs> there you go the EBB stadium uh, because I love a bit of sponsorship. In, yes. In, it's technically yeah. the recreation ground, isn't it? It is so the recreation yeah, ground, yeah. Yeah. It's a lovely yeah. little ground to go to. We should yeah, do yeah. that as an away day. I'm up day. for that. I like it. It's a really nice place to go. Right then. So, uh, you've got Barnsley away. Yep, we have, yeah. Next and, week. And I'll pa- be there. Palace have got the opening game of the Football League, which is quite nice. Next Friday, or well, this Friday now, Fat Frank's uh, Derby County. Are in town, and I love I love the fact that the the Derby County have actually had to change the name on their website to Frank Lampard's <laughs> TM Derby County FC. <laughs> I'm afraid they're going to get that every yeah. game this season. Yep. Yeah, they really are. Right then, well that is it. The World Cup is over. The Football League begins, and we begin a new chapter, gentlemen. Wait. So can't wait. I'm going to ask if you can uh, if you can say goodbye from say goodbye to the World Cup, John. Bye-bye, World Cup. <laughs> Say goodbye, Andy. Yeah, goodbye, World Cup. We love you very much. <laughs> you can find us at WorldyPod on Instagram. You can find us at WorldyPod on Twitter. You can go to WorldyPod at gmail.com. You can find us on TuneIn Radio and Spotify and all those other places. You go to iTunes and you can give us five-star rating. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on Worldie. I hope they do good pies at Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs>